Welcome back to Building a Fighter. My name is Dr. Austin Shane, sports chiropractor in Scottsdale, Arizona. With me, as always, Alex Friedman, badass strength coach in Denver, Colorado. Today, we have a guest. This is her third time on the po- third, correct? Yes. Third okay. time on the podcast. Our favorite guest, obviously, because she's obviously. the one that keeps coming back. Wow, Christina Chu. She's a registered dietitian out of Chicago. She also is working with IMG Academy in the virtual setting. Mm-hmm. And what is your business's name? It's, it's my freaking name. Christina your Chu name. LLC. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. And she yep. does on- online as do you and do in person as well. Yep. Online you want me to do my introduction? <laughs> no, that's what I'm go. doing here. That's the one. I am walking through this right now. Walking is an overstep. Yeah. <laughs> He's that to, person that trips over everything. Yeah. Exactly. That's me though. That's me. Yeah, that's fair. So today we're going to be talking about how do you prepare for practice, both skill practice and in the weight room in the strength conditioning sessions. So whether it's dietetics, whether it is warming up for strength conditioning, whether it's warming up for skill class or skill practice, we are going to encompass it all, but I'm going to kick it now. So I don't stumble further to Christina. We're going to talk about dietetics in the morning. If we have a 6 a.m. lift, what are we doing? Yeah. Love how we're just getting the ball rolling. 100%. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So especially with such early morning lifts, you know, the easiest kind of excuse, the probably most seen pattern, I mean, both of you guys can probably attest to this, is to just roll out of bed at 5.50, then get to your workout around 6.02, always two minutes late. And then you just kind of go through the motions, finish your lift, go home, probably go back to bed. Right. And so really, especially as an athlete, it's so, so important to try and see how you can prevent this from happening. Um, Both of you guys can speak from this more from the strength conditioning side of things, but if we don't have gas in the tank, we can't push hard. If you don't have gas in the tank, that car isn't going to run. Right. Mm -hmm. And so even though it's early in the morning, that's not an excuse to not eat. Rather, it's a chance to try and figure out some other opportunities um, and other strategies to implement nutrition into your diet. So that way you go into that workout well-fueled. That way you you go into that training session well-fueled. So that way you get the best workout. And more importantly, so that way your strength coach doesn't hate you. (laughs) Straight up. (laughs) So let's walk through some of those strategies, right? And everyone is different. And this is really where I really try and prioritize that fueling is an individualized process. It's not a one size fits all. Um, It's very tailored, right? As both of you guys can speak to your practices as well too. But just to kind of give some blanket ideas that perhaps some of the listeners um, or the listeners athletes may benefit from. Your feeling starts from the day before. So a lot of people will think, okay, I have a, you know, early morning lift. I just need to think about the, you know, snack I'm going to have beforehand. And we're in fact, the lunch, the snack, the dinner, the post dinner, all those things from the day before will impact your workout for that morning, right? So feeling is not just a one-time thing. It is a 24 hour around the clock aspect. Um, So really that starts from dinner the night before. And if you know me, you know, I'm a big proponent for balanced plates. We love, love, love our balance. Right, Austin? Correct. Mm -hmm. We love vegetables. Right, Austin? (laughs) Disagree. Okay. We're working on it, folks. One for two, 50%. Good batting average. 50%. Yep. You got it. Great batting average, honestly. Really good. Yeah. (laughs) If you only swing twice and you get one of them. Um, but you know, we want to make sure that we have our balanced plates, which cons- consists of things like your carbs. So that's going to be anything like a rice, potato, pasta, etc. That's going to provide you with your energy protein, which basically hashtag gains proteins, help you build your muscle hashtag gains. Exactly. Um, your color, which is going to be some sort of fruits or vegetables. These I know Austin, I see the look in your face. He's not looking forward to this conversation, but we do. 
Okay. Fruits, we can, we can hang with fruits. Fruits and vegetables are really great because they provide you with those um, antioxidant properties. And because especially during trainings, you take a lot of damage on your body. We want to make sure that we're not really holding on to that chronically. So for a long time. And so by having these fruits and vegetables, we can actually introduce antioxidant properties, which is amazing through things like your fruit, through things like we love vegetables. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. We love all things green. Yep. Yep. I see one. Yes. And one. No, <laughs> I got you. Um, Alex has my back. Um, of course. and we want to make sure that we get some sort of healthy fat as well, too. This can be anything from nuts, avocados, seeds, olive oil, cheese, etc. So really aiming for that balance. We're not missing any components, but as an athlete, we need to stay well-fueled throughout the night. And then when we wake up in the morning, then we're able to go to practice. Nice. And so before you talk about the morning, can I ask you one thing about like fueling in the evening? Um, And and again, maybe this is just myth busting, but a lot of what I've heard is a lot of protein or a late night dinner can disrupt your sleep. Um, And I know I've certainly experienced that where I've had a really late dinner. That's like the biggest meal of my day. And I wake up at 6 a.m. and it feels like I'm still digesting or it feels like, you know, I'm, I'm behind in some sense on that. So mm-hmm. I guess w- what do you know or what do you have for people about like late night eating or, or big dinner meal? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, again, this is when the individualization kind of comes okay. into peace. I know just given in your line of work, it's hard to just sit down and have a meal in the middle of the day. Right. And right. so oftentimes that may mean that a lot of your calories, a lot of your energy comes at night. And there's not really much that we can do about that. You're not going to ask your boss, Hey boss, can I have a 30 minute lunch break so I can eat my lunch? And so I'm well well fueled throughout the day. Like that's not just going to happen. Um, unfortunately in your line of work, but you know, um, when someone has that sort of, uh, how did you describe that feeling? Like you still feel like you're still digesting in the morning. Yeah. My concern is perhaps was that meal, maybe not of the right balance. So maybe it was a little bit too fat heavy because, you know, once you've had a really fatty meal, so let's think like fried chicken sandwich on French fries and onion rings. This is Austin's territory. He knows let's go. White Castle. We were talking about that. White Castle. Yeah, chicken yeah. rings and Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Give me it all. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Chickens don't come in rings. Disagree. That's next time we do a nutrition podcast do you just you want to like just leave austin yeah we'll mute him the whole time (laughs) (laughs) um but you know perhaps it was just the composition of the meal especially after eating you're sitting up and then when you lay down you're at like zero 180 degrees Mm -hmm. and so it's even just the sheer force of gravity that sometimes can slow down that 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 digestion um so any chance that you're kind of sitting up like you are right now for those you who cannot see alex is very comfortable lounging (laughs) he is lounging he is chilling like a villain um but anytime that we're able to um sort of keep that head elevated um, and just sit up normally, it allows for that digestion to take place uh, as efficiently as possible. So sometimes it's just, we're having that meal a little bit too closer to the uh, bedtime. If mm-hmm. that's unavoidable, like truly unavoidable, then I would say maybe even see if we can switch some of those calories to liquid calories. So try to blend a smoothie um, because that's a lot easier to digest than solids with all that fiber, all that chewing, just the mechanism, um, cool. you know, takes time. So that's, Again, that's something that I would have to do some more investigative work and see what the root cause is, but um, that would be my suggestion. That's interesting. And again, I was just thinking like, if we're going to talk about the night before dinner, sometimes that's a problem, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. that can affect how you wake up in the morning. um, Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, are you sacrificing sleep to make sure that you eat or are you skipping dinner to make sure that you get your eight hours of sleep? Um, so that can be really challenging if you have like a late night practice or just school or work or anything. And then you have to like wake up really early in the morning. Right. Um, sometimes what you're saying with like the late night snack for some people, I actually encourage that, especially if we're unable to get food throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Um, it actually may be helpful to get a, a snack in at night. Something, um, a really great example is just the glass of milk. If you've ever heard to have like a warm glass of milk before bed, um, 
that myth actually is kind of true in that uh, your milk has your casein, which is your long lasting protein. Yeah, yes. I was just about to say the, the meathead casein. The so casein. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sells for a lot of money. I've heard before. Yeah. Yeah. But you can just get it through milk. It doesn't need to be complicated. Um, drinking your, your, I almost said your casein, drinking your milk uh, before bed, getting your body the fuel it needs to sleep well. So not only do we need to fuel for our training, but also fueling for sleep, giving our body not only energy, but protein to help your muscle recover, sleep, uh, deep sleep, REM sleep, all that fun stuff. Um, so sometimes a glass of milk is all you need and that can be a, a huge shift. Um, shall we move on to early morning strategies? Perfect. We're going to wake up 60 minutes before the workout. Get a good shower in, wake up mentally, have a, a great fueling session before we travel to the gym, correct? No. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very unrealistic. Um, you know, I'm, of course, would I rather you have a well balanced meal, wake up early, you know, shower, get clean, get your thoughts straight, like, breathe, journal, reflect, you know, all these things. <laughs> of Some course. meditation, get yourself well. <laughs> Get yourself all hyped up, do your taxes. Yeah. Everything. Then be 10 minutes early to the session. Yes. And just say, Hey coach, I appreciate everything that you're doing. (laughs) All your hard work. (laughs) Ideal setting. Okay. Do that. If you want to be the ideal athlete, but But what's the real, yeah. What's the real. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's like the record scratch and you're like, okay, let's, let's rewind. Um, you know, 6am lifts are, are tough. You know, we've all been there having to wake up that early. It's dark out. Um, the last thing that you want to do is, is set your alarm even 10 minutes earlier. You're actually setting it 10 minutes back. Right. And so there has to be some grab and go options, uh, because let's just be realistic. It's, it's not going to happen for a lot of athletes. And so for these grab and go options, we really want to think about having your quick, easy to digest carbs. And so this is actually one of those chances where perhaps some quote unquote unhealthier options may actually be better for you. So this could be something um, as simple as a glass of orange juice or any kind of fruit juice. Um, This could be something like a banana, um, one of those honey stinger waffles. If you've ever had one of those, those are good. Those are my favorite. Mm -hmm. Or even sometimes uh, some athletes just like really want fruit snacks or sour patch kids, or just that little jolt or Swedish fish, you know, even though those are candy sources, those are quick carbs and you're going to use them right away, right? You're running late to, you know, your training session starts promptly at six. You want to make sure that again, you're impressing your strength coach, tons of energy, great recovery. Um, And so sometimes those candies and quick sugars can actually be a benefit. Um, I used to uh, keep a a Costco size 72 pouch fruit snack uh Dude, at my those work. are my favorite the, the welch's fruit one? snacks <laughs> oh, yes shit. jinx i actually have one of those in my uh cabinet right now i my- have those too <laughs> <laughs> they are the best i always this is them not work sponsored by welch's <laughs> yet it is not sponsored by welch's yet there we go <laughs> dream it's big. Really, it's a <laughs> It's a real on-brand sponsor. There. <laughs> yeah, those fruit snacks are so great. And they just come in these small little pouches. So you could totally down two of them. But if you really have trouble eating, you can start with one. For sure. Also, unpopular thing. opinion. I believe that the tropical ones are way better than the original. Uh, At least you're not the one going for like mixed berry. No, get out of here. Wait, mixed what's your berry. favorite fruit snack flavor in like the blue Welch's one? Uh, Probably the peach. <gasps> Me too. Uh, yeah. Peach is be- definitely the best. What's yours, Alex? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I'm, I'm completely out of this. Alex- <laughs> 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 He's trying to play neutral, but we all know that his favorite flavor I was flavor trying to play great. along and trying to sneak, <laughs> sneak through it, but he called me out. Just- <laughs> Sorry. I think peach is the best. Then the raspberry. Then... um uh shoot strawberry yes then orange then grape i don't yeah. like grape i think that's a good that's a good list thank you thank uh, you ranking yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right anything else on the nutrition side yeah of six a.m's so many things so many things are coming <laughs> but you know to to really uh you know one of the big pieces that 
to summarize what I just said is make sure that you have a great balanced dinner beforehand, depending on timing. Again, all these things are kind of individualized, but generally we want to make sure that we're getting that balance in. Um, Then maybe an optional nighttime snack. If you are still kind of feeling hungry and it doesn't make you feel overly full because that overly fullness can also disrupt your sleep as well too which is kind of why I hinted towards like the fattier meal for you, Alex. And then when you wake up in the morning to just grab a quick carb option that you can have on your drive over on your commute over um, and pop her in and then get going to your workout. Um, And the second thing that I wanted to highlight is hydration. So this is going to be huge. And again, I know both of you guys can speak to this and the results of hydration or staying hydrated or perhaps not being enough well hydrated, but to make sure again, all the work that you're doing from the day before is not only the recovery for, let's say if you had a training session that day, but also to pre-fuel and get ready for tomorrow's workout as well too. So making sure that we stay hydrated, drinking your water, making sure that we're salting our food, getting our electrolytes in, drinking your milk, milk will always come back. Um, and staying well hydrated, because let's say if you slept for eight hours, that's eight hours without food, eight hours without water. Um, in fact, you're losing water throughout the night and you're burning through energy because that's what sleep and recovery does. And so we have to make sure that we're well hydrated to avoid any dehydration. So things like cramps, um, I'm sure those are pretty common at 6am, especially during, you know, conditioning, um, things like, you know, poor concentration, which is just natural in the morning. So to prevent even, you know, further, um, progressions of that low energy, um, you know, sort of achy joints from that dehydration as well. The laundry list goes on. So really prioritizing dinner, AM, get some sort of quick carbs in anything that you can, a juice, um, you know, some Welsh's fruit snacks as we discovered that we all love. Um, and then let's make sure to stay hydrated throughout the day. Yeah. That's kind of that adage, right? If you wait till you're thirsty, you've waited too long to hydrate, right? Exactly. Um, one question I did have about the like morning fueling at that time, are we thinking about what type of exercise we're doing already? Or are we just trying to get something in to get going? Because I know um, not with the people that I work with, but a, a popular modality is the fasted cardio in the morning type of branch, I guess. So are we kind of thinking about what's the exercise is going to entail? What specific like um, program I'm following? Are you kind of thinking of that? Or are we just thinking something to get in? Yeah. So usually um, for those early 6am lifts, especially for team sports, um, or like if you have like a group class of some sort, it's almost always not going to be some sort of like cardio-esque thing, right? It's going to be pretty high intensity. And so I understand the the fasted um, cardio argument um, and that side of things. And honestly, some people have tried every single modality they can for pre-workout fueling and it just does not work in their body. And they're like, I feel fine. Then, then fine. You know, it's again, everyone's feeling is going to be different, but my sort of like when that gets used as like a cover up or like a mask is when people do have, let's say um, a conditioning session at 6am. Oof. Yikes. Right. But it just has to happen. And they start to have elevated heart rate because right. They haven't eaten or hydrated beforehand, or they start to get really dizzy or God forbid pass out or, you know, and these are things that now you guys as a strength conditioning coaches have to react to. Right. And that ruins your flow and that ruins the whole team's flow. And it's not like, Oh, shame on you. Right. But there's a little bit of like, well, you should own up to that. Right. So to prevent this from happening, to be a good team player, um, to, you know, have everybody's back, drink your damn orange juice (laughs) straight up, straight (laughs) up. Um, so to prevent these, these dangerous, unhealthy, um, events from happening, we need to make sure that we get some sort of fuel in. No, I I totally agree. And I think you hit it on the head, like that, that dizziness and that lightheadedness is probably the number one symptom that I've seen in the morning. Um, just from, like you said, lack of fuel or the other thing, and I guess we can start get into like the, the prep for performance in that workout is like a very steep ramp of intensity is one of the biggest kind of mistakes or, uh, things to avoid in the morning because you sleepily walk out of your car, you get into the facility and, and you're warming up quote unquote, but you're really not there yet. Right. You're still going through that whole process of, of waking up and, 
and turning on for lack of a better term. I think as strength coaches, we can plan for that, right? We can plan to orient the session to ramp up um, gradually and we can put certain things in place, you know, louder music, more upbeat tempo things, um, a simple yet high demanding type of a warm up that can predispose athletes to get actually ready to go um, rather than just kind of go through the motions and be through the warm up, quote unquote, but not actually warmed up, if you will. So um, I'm a big fan, especially in the morning. I think a consistent workout or a consistent warm up, at least at first, helps my guys, I think, get ready to go because they have that routine and they don't have to necessarily come into something new right away where they have to critically think about things. But after that routine's over, like I said, we gradually warm it up. We do some like skips or or jumping rope or something a little bit more intense, but not quite to the highest intensity that we're probably going to get to, as Christina said. We're probably in a strength conditioning session, do something power oriented or something strength oriented. We're not going to necessarily stay in that low steady state intensity. So we got to bridge that gap from going through the motions on the warm up to the high intensity effort, bridge that gap to avoid a lot of the lightheadedness, a lot of the um, lack of performance is another big one. Like, like I know for a fact, this athlete would do this differently at 3 PM, right? So we want to kind of wake them up if, through their physical movement, through the environment that they're in. And then we can genuinely get the best out of the session um, through that gradual ramp in the strength and conditioning sense. If you had to bring it down to a couple, like say three or four points, what's going to be your three or four points that every athlete should hit moving forward, like in a morning warm in a morning warm up, um, just a warm up in general from, from your point sure. of view. Um, I think there's gotta be some type of, uh, obviously heart rate elevation. I don't know, again, mm-hmm. if that's the first thing that you do but that should be in there in some capacity, whether it's just a locomotion circuit, junk, jumping rope, um, five minutes on a cardio machine, some type of higher intensity movement to get the blood flow going, to um, create a little more elasticity in the muscles to, again, just generally wake them up in a sense. There's got to be uh, mobility, stability drills. We can layer those in the work or the warm up really well. So that's, Second thing, maybe the first thing that you do, but the second characteristic. Um, again, I think one of the third characteristics that gets overlooked, and I've changed my stance on this, is a consistent warm up. Not that every single piece of the warm up has to be consistent, but I think it helps guys get in a really good routine um, to come in and just start on the uh, land out. We do the hip series and then the walking series. Getting at least started on that helps, again, bridge the gap from doing nothing groggy. To, okay, now I'm actually at the facility working out. And then we get to our heart rate elevation where we're actually um, getting into the session, quote unquote. Um, so I guess those are kind of my three check boxes to mark as far as a warm up. And that may not get us to the highest intensity that we need. Maybe we do a warm up round of the actual movements, but you just kind of have to feel the room in that sense once you get there. for sure. And the cool thing that I like about the consistent warm up um, is that it, it doesn't have to be while you're doing that every time though. It doesn't have to be, that's where you end, right? You can right. add one or two mobility drills on top of that. If you want to target X, Y, or Z for that athlete. But if you have a consistent warm up that they're doing every time, and then you want to add in one sprinkle in one or two little things that's going to make them better at their individualized mobility or individualized stability. I feel like so many people focus on the, Hey, I can't do the same thing every time it bores my athletes. It's not actually helping them because it's a generalized warm up. but in reality, they're missing the boat on and myself included, because I've, I've thought like that, but you're missing the boat on, Hey, this is a pattern. This is a routine. People like routines. People like patterns that makes things better. We always talk about in this podcast that systems are key. If you have a system, you can also build, you can always build on the system, but you can't ever take away from it and be beneficial. If you have a system and you can add one or two things in, then it's always going to elevate that person because a bad person meets a good system. The system always wins. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think also two points to the consistent warm up to layer that in or add value to it is one, you know, movement's a skill, right? So if we're doing something consistently in our warm up, we more than likely are getting better at it. Right? Especially if we've created value behind it, we're probably going to get better at that skill and then 
enhance that and extrapolate it out to the rest of our movements. And then the second thing with it too is 6 a.m. early morning workout. Guys aren't quite mentally there yet. They're not going to be tuned in to me explaining a ton of new exercises or something physically challenging. They're, they're going to brush it off, go through the motions, do something like that. Because I mean, nobody is really mentally primed for the first thing that they do in a day. So it's not going to be appealing if I'm like, all right, we're doing this awkward stretch and it's good for this and blah, blah, blah. And then, I mean, you're already going to tune out because it's 6 a.m. and I have to do this thing, right? So I think that the consistency comes into play really well there. And then obviously you shake it up and you have to move uh, move things around at some point so that we're not just going through the motions, but um, worth a look for sure. So the next thing that we want to talk about is going to jump into not just the morning lift, right? Even though it's extremely important, how do you fuel and how do you prepare physically for a skill-based practice, right? So again, I feel like broken record. I'm going to kick it to Christina because she's crushing it right now. And Christina, how do we prepare for, we'll say like an afternoon skill-based practice, like a normal high school or college athlete? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. I thought I was on mute. I was drinking water and I didn't want you guys to <laughs> hear me gulp. <laughs> um, hydration. hydration. Exactly. <laughs> it starts the night before practice what you preach. Um, okay. So basically for your afternoon um, skill session, Hopefully you would have had something to eat throughout the day. Let's just say for the skill session, it's three o'clock just to you know make sure that we're all on the same page. Um, hopefully you would have had something to eat either for lunch, maybe for breakfast, ideally both, maybe even a snack kicked in there, just perfectly well-fueled athlete, right? Um, you know, hopefully we're not fasting throughout the whole entire day until about 3 p.m. Um, cough, cough, intermittent fasting. I'll say, can you say that again for the people <laughs> in the back? <laughs> exactly. Isn't it crazy how like eating food can make you a better athlete? <laughs> it's, it's nuts. It's and maybe even like a better, healthier human. Like it's just so crazy. <laughs> That's sarcasm for everyone yeah, who yeah. cannot identify Don't that. Food to make that happen, just in coffee. Mm. I mean, you know, that's also an argument a solid I get point. Also yeah. a solid point. Also, yeah. You know what? You're right. Take my job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my my naive college approach was because I, I did I did the morning snack. I did something before the lift. But oh. then when we went back to practice at 3 p.m. All I would do is have two coffees throughout the day and maybe a bake. Oh my God. How did you feel? Uh, Yeah, I was chronically tired and uh, not well, but I was cutting weight, you know, Christina. I was about to say, Christina, I think I just saw your eyes start twitching out of like, (laughs) out of anger. (laughs) But I kept my cool. I kept my cool. Wow. Really interesting to hear, Alex. Now now we can, now we can say instead of don't be Austin, now we can say don't be Alex. Don't be Alex. Don't be like both these fools. Hey, on there. But that's that's why we have this is so people can have have the the resource to yeah be better and know that we're not all perfect. Yeah, learn from my stupidity. I was going to say I'm sure that was the impression that people get from this <laughs> podcast is that me and Austin are perfect. <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, where were we? Uh, so for those afternoon, um, fueling or afternoon, sorry, afternoon training sessions, uh, you know, a lot of those same principles come in handy. I mean, nutrition is fuel, so it, it doesn't matter what, what time of day it is. Um, it's really more so about a scheduling and a, and a reality piece of it. So it is definitely make sure, let's make sure that we get our carbs in beforehand. Um, and this is when now every athlete can be really different. Some athletes, like to have that same kind of like OJ or fruit snack immediately beforehand for that routine aspect, right? Just like what you guys were mentioning, people like that consistency and they know, okay, if I have two packs of Welch's fruit snacks, it's almost like a good luck um, routine that I have every time before, you know, practice, I I do these two packs and then I go off. Um, Some people don't think like that and that's totally fine. Um, So typically I would say it depends on the schedule first. If you're able to get food in, let's say one to two hours in, you still need your carbs. Absolutely. But we can introduce a little bit more protein or a little bit more fat. A perfect example would be a peanut butter jelly sandwich. Who does not love peanut butter and jellies? Am I right? I love them. Amen. Grape jelly or strawberry jelly? Go. Strawberry. We can hang. We can hang. <laughs> All right. The real, que- the real question here is, do you peel the little Preston edges of Uncrustables off of an Uncrustable? No. Yeah. Yes, you do, Alex. Yes, <laughs> yes. you do. 
100%. The little pinched part, you yeah. peel that off? Yeah, it's a fucked up texture. I don't mess with it. I eat it. I peel it off and eat it. Oh, I don't, I, oh no, I peel it off and I don't eat it. <laughs> I don't know. It's a texture That's thing, like Christina. wasted carbs. Yeah, what the it. heck? Oh. Yeah, I eat enough carbs. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, sounds like my wow. diet. But then doesn't it just get all smushy and like messy? Nope. It's perfect consistency. Okay. Absolutely okay. perfect. Whatever you say, Austin. Yeah. There goes Austin again. You stick to cracking people's backs, am I right? (laughs) That is what I do. I I do that. The parallel. That's beautiful. beautiful. Oh man, I'm never going back here. Am I? (laughs) You're saying I shouldn't give nutrition advice. (laughs) Anyways, um, I think we're all a little jet lagged, and we none of us have traveled. (laughs) (laughs) It's just being a young professional at this point. Exactly. So basically what I was saying was peanut butter jelly sandwiches is a great example for any sort of pre-fuel for one to two hours beforehand. You still get your carbs. You still get that energy that your muscle needs, that good old muscle glycogen, Mm -hmm. but you're able to introduce just some more protein um, and or fat because that takes longer to digest. So as a dietitian, you know, what I'm concerned about is when they get to practice, how are they feeling? Are they feeling light on their feet? Are they feeling that quick, you know, energized um, energy? Or do they feel slow, sluggish, like heavy, if that makes sense? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, slow legs, poor reaction time. Are they, you know, really bloated or distended or feel indigestion when they're training? I don't know if you've ever had any, for you guys, anyone run out in the middle of their session to go use the lovely potty, but that can happen sometimes it's called the runs for the runners. Um, you know, when you just have a, all right, we're all adults here. When you really have to take a shit in the middle of your workout, just the stimulus, um, through exercise, it's, it's very natural. Right. And so those are all things that we're trying to avoid. We don't want to run to the bathroom in the middle of our training session. We don't want to have those heavy legs. We don't want to have um, poor reaction time. And so these are all things that I'm watching out for, which is a reason why I wouldn't necessarily recommend generally for most people to have something like a peanut butter jelly sandwich 15 minutes before a workout, because it might still be digesting in their stomach. And then that's when they start to have those symptoms, right? So it's a basically a race against the clock and seeing how we can use time to our advantage as well as the composition of our meals as well, too. Now, let's say someone can't get something in one to two hours beforehand, can't get something in, you know, 15 to 30 minutes beforehand. Really all they have is lunch, 3 p.m. Um, training session. Let's say they have a 12 o'clock lunch. Then let's make sure at this lunch, we have enough food to sustain you because you're going to go three hours until the start of your training session. And then you need more energy on top of that to keep you going. So really prioritizing lunch, making sure we're not skipping lunch, especially if you work with younger athletes, um, that can be very common is just to get to the cafeteria and be like, I ain't going to eat, or I'm going to have like a bar, um, or a bagel. (laughs) Yeah. I used to get so paranoid about feeling bloated and heavy during practice. I don't blame you. That's not something, you know, we all want to experience at all, right? That doesn't make you a better athlete is when your stomach is screaming out for help, but there are ways to manage that. And those ways do take some trial and error, just like an experiment, but then you're going to find what makes you feel great. And on top of that, you're not going to have that low energy, right? Just that chronic fatigue. And you're able to focus on, in your case, wrestling and not surviving, right? The little yeah, things. I mean, yeah. And you start to build those habits, right? And you find what does work and then you can repeat that and, and again, maximize the habit of your nutrient time. Exactly. Exactly. And just like how we can train your body, we can also train your gut. It's not just muscles. It's not just the nervous system. It's also your gut that can be trained because it's really adaptive. I mean, we can really fly across the world and eat food and that's totally fine. Even if we're in a completely different country, right? Our gut knows how to handle the stimulus. Our gut can take a bunch of bacteria in and be totally fine with it and know how to handle it. Our gut can take in all these different types of food sources. Our gut can handle chicken rings. So, I mean, that says something. (laughs) And so, 
you know, I feel like a lot of people just generally don't give their bodies enough credit. And so we, you know, trust your gut for lack of better words. Right. And that it can be trained to adapt to different stimuli, food and the timing of food. And this is something that you practice. This is something that you train. Um, It's not an afterthought. You don't just eat, you feel your body, right? You guys were talking about this. You don't just work out or do physical activity. You train same thing in the nutrition realm. Love it. Love it. So something I want to get out there, cause this is something that I've heard from multiple fighters and it seems like a myth. What about a protein shake right before working out? My first question would be again, that GI, that digestive concern, it? right? Like, do you ever get the, the protein farts? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I do. Oh, yes. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so that's really not a great sign for during your skill session um, to just be letting her rip every 15 minutes or whatever it may be. Um, And again, it does not feel good when it just like fills you up. Right. And it's also just not providing you with the right kind of fuel that you need. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was, I I was just going to say, it's like putting, um, you know, like unleaded gas into a really nice vehicle. I don't drive. So I, I struggle with those references, but like, I don't know. I don't know if like there's different levels of gas, you you know, the gas station diesel, diesel. Did you just say you don't drive? Wait, no, first we're bringing it back. Did you just say you don't drive? Um, yeah, I don't have a car. I live in the city. in Chicago, bro. Oh, I've never done that before. You oh, the, it's so nice. It's actually a thing. You Is don't nice? drive places. I don't know. I yeah. I drive. I have so the bus much. driver drive for me. <laughs> no, I know. I know. Public transportation, right? Just live in that bougie lifestyle. Yeah. No, I don't have a car. It it's not necessary in the city. These trains and buses can take you everywhere, and so can Uber. Um, actually, I haven't taken an Uber in a while, so I can't really say that anymore. But. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I I mean to pay for parking, insurance, kudos for you. Tickets, <laughs> tickets when you don't park right. Um, yeah, I just pre- I just prefer to walk or I don't know, take the train. I don't know, guys. That's all good. <laughs> You're fine. You're fine. Each good. their own. All right. Um, but back to like the protein shake thing before practice. Yeah. yeah. So, Again, in my meathead realm, what I, yeah. I've learned about uh, protein shakes is the timing of the carbs and protein around your workout is relatively indifferent in how you're feeling your body, right? Whether you take it in, you take a protein shake before, during, or after your workout, it's just the comfort level is super varying, right? Obviously, you drink a protein shake before you work out. I, I would not feel good. I don't know if a whole lot of people would, but in terms of like making sure that you're refueling after the workout or taking that protein shake, it's okay to do it whenever. I think it's hard to put nutrition in that kind of silo. If you were in a perfect little bubble, I'm sure you could definitely have a protein shake beforehand, but we have to manage things like digestion. We have to manage things like your energy utilization, right? If we drink a protein shake, a low carb protein shake before your workout, in your bloodstream, like there's not readily available carbs. So now we have to inefficiently convert energy and pull glucose back into the bloodstream. Don't make me explain it. I really don't want to. Um, But, you know, we have to do things that are inefficient versus taking that Welch's fruit snacks and putting it in your bloodstream, bada bing, bada boom. Right. And so it's not only a diet because some, you know, some people will be like, I feel fine, even if they really don't, because they just, it's, uncomfortable to admit that. Um, and so it's really about utilizing that correct energy source that our bodies are just evolved to, to handle, um, really for, for post-workout. Um, and again, it it depends on the intensity, right? If you're doing like a 100% mobility session or anything like that, then yeah, maybe you definitely don't need those quick carbs because you're not at that certain level of high intensity, but for the sake of this um, example, I'm just going to assume um, that it's just a quote normal practice or um, you know something that kind of gets the heart rate up. And for that post workout, then then yeah, that protein shake may come in great handy because perhaps you're running to something else and you don't have time to stop for a meal or um, your appetite is stunted, which can happen after um, any sort of training. And it's a lot easier to drink your protein um, and drink your food than it is to eat your food, but. Then if we're just drinking the protein shakes without the carbs, we're 
also not helping our body because we need both to help start that muscle regenerative process. It's not just a protein to stimulate muscle growth. It definitely is, but we do need that carb to come in um, to help us produce insulin, which can open, open up for lack of better words, those muscle cells to allow the protein to come in as well too. So I don't know why there are low carb. I do know why there are low carb protein shakes, but as a dietitian, I always recommend having your protein shakes with some kind of fruit or some sort of carb on the side. So a protein shake plus a banana would be a great example of a post-workout. Well, and that's a perfect segue into what I wanted to ask. So something that a lot of my fighters get told is have, have a fructose instead of a glucose. Yeah. Is it, it, to you, why would, obviously, why would you pick one versus the other, but would you tend to lean more towards fruit versus an artificial substance, if you will? Glucose is not artificial. No, I know, but I'm thinking like Welch's fruit snacks. <laughs> Which is fructose. <laughs> it is? No shit, yeah. really? High fructose corn syrup. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> that was that was my question as soon as Austin brought up fructose or glucose, because I know there's like there's a GI thing about with fructose, right? Yeah. But it's like what's the what food sources are the difference? Like what like what am I if I eat if I want to eat fructose? What type of food do I eat? If I want to eat glucose, what type of foods do I eat? Yeah. So again, it is really complex when we start to break it down into the types of sugars. To answer Austin's first question, um, yes, I would typically say I prefer fructose over a glucose, but something is better than nothing, right? So if we can, let's aim for the fruit. Um, I caution with this statement because I think it's going to, you know, if someone hears this, they may think, okay, what's the best, like, fructose powder out there I can buy. Well, the best fructose you can buy is fruit because our body knows fruit the best compared to any other supplement that we'll take. So, you know, instead of making this overly complicated, just thinking, how can I pair this protein with some sort of fruit? A smoothie is a great example. A protein shake plus a side of fruit is a great example. It doesn't need to be complicated. We don't need to add magic powders to our, our protein shakes. Um, the, I forgot the second, oh, the different types of foods. I just, you know, one of them fructose is, is definitely going to be a lot of your fruit sources as well as your high fructose corn syrup found in your products. Think about your glucose as, um, things like bread or rice, um, everything essentially will break down into glucose. So it's, it's again, I I wouldn't get too like stringent on that and too hyper-focused on that. Um, this is more so now in the endurance sport realm where the difference between glucose and fructose can matter because those are taken in by different receptors in our gut. Um, and so in order to optimize our carbohydrate absorption, it's actually better to get a mix of those two for endurance athletes specifically, just cause they have to go hours, you know, doing their sport. Now, so now I get to pat my back for something that I used to do, which was eat um, oatmeal with brown sugar on top before I go on runs. Amazing. Hey, look at this guy. Look at that. So there's, look at this there's, guy eating. There's a good habit compared <laughs> to a bad habit. Yeah. Hey, as Ed Sheeran says, bad habits, no bad habits. <laughs> um, <laughs> am I cool with the kids yet? They're Probably cool not. <laughs> I think so. I don't know that song. I only know that it's titled bad habits. I um, thought you were going to go into some like super lyrical thing that Ed Sheeran I was going to start singing absolutely not no I didn't think you were going to sing it <laughs> that's what I thought was going to profound but uh, no it's good bad habits it's a song that he just came out with that I know nothing about perfect <laughs> he raps <laughs> um, it oh you're kidding no I think there's a couple that he started rapping with oh my gosh that pale little Irish boy <laughs> hey hey uh, killing Austin's dreams Austin <laughs> talk to me about uh, how to prepare for now that we've got the nutrition nailed down, how to prepare for skill practice, either physically or mentally. Perfect. Here's my lane. So when we're talking about preparing for a skill practice, the physically, the first thing I want to think about is we have to prep the major joints. So we're going to prep both the ball and socket joints. So our shoulders and our hips, as well as the spine, just because that's used so frequently. And, and obviously that's the beat, that's the middle of everything. Right. Um, and then, then we get into our targeted mobility or stability from there, but we're always going to at minimum include mobility, stability of shoulders, spine, 
hips. And then on top of all of that, we still have to bring in the concept Alex was talking about is we got to elevate the heart rate. If we're not elevating the heart rate to the point of, Hey, we're getting ready for the skill practice we're about to go into. Well, guess what? We're probably going to start sluggish. We're probably going to start fatigued, not fatigued, but feel almost like sleepy and not be able to comprehend the skills that we're trying to learn in that given session. Because at the end of the day, a skill work is skill work. You're learning a new skill. If you're not prepared to learn a new skill, both mentally and physically, guess what? You're probably not going to comprehend a hundred percent of what is going on. So that's where we get the blood pumping. That's where we start to try to prepare the CNS for what we're doing, whether that be like quick feet drills, whether that be um, at fight ready, we do uh, like different cognitive based drills where we're doing a, Hey, if we have three lines going, we're going to have somebody doing some sort of like up, down, up, down, quick feet. I'm going to point in different directions. It's a different pattern every single time. And when we're doing this different pattern every single time, it's going to try to make them think through what's going what's going through or what's going on. Um, but back to the mobility stability. This is when we get into for hip stability and hip mobility. We got to focus on internal and external rotation. We know that's extremely important for all of our combat sports, actually all our sports in general, but primarily our combat sports, which is what building a fighter is focused around. So that's going to be our hip switches. That's going to be our hip cars. That's going to be whether that be like a hip hover where, and all these videos are on building a fighter's website um, where we're trying to get both internal and external and load the joint in an efficient manner. Um, dedicated towards your mobility limitations. After that, we get into the spine. The biggest thing we want to focus on with the spine is going to be either extension or rotation. We need both of those patterns in in an extreme way, especially for combat sports, because we need to be able to extend backwards. Think about um, if you're hitting like a suplex in wrestling. If we don't have that extension, well, guess what? We are going to limit our spine movement. We're going to overuse our hips, overuse our knees, overuse our ankles. That could lead to any sort of injuries down the road. So preparing ourselves for extension, as well as the other thing is we sit all day, right? When we're sitting all day, we're stuck in flexion of our low back. We need to be able to counteract that. If you're a student, if you're a student athlete, we need to be able to get that extension moment going and try to get a little bit more of that lumbar extension in our life. That's where we add in our press-ups. That's where we add in our spinal cars. That's where we add in those range of motion exercises that are going to try to get us into that extension-based moment and prepare us for the neutral spine that we need going into practice. Finally, we get into the sh- or into the shoulders. We need, again, just like the hips because it's a ball and socket joint that external and internal rotation. Those are our big two we want to prep for. So whether that be like a, um, like a sideline get up, which is again on our Instagram page, um, or like banded W's where we're going from neutral, pulling backwards and preparing our shoulder blade for what's about to ensue in practice. Um, all of these are very, I guess, micro in the application of what I'm talking about, but the macro level thought is, We have to prepare for rotations of the shoulder, rotations of the hip, and then rotation of the spine. Because when we think about prep, we always stay almost sagittal in nature, which is straight up and down. When we're warming up, we know that sports are 3D. They go in the transverse plane. So if we don't prepare ourselves for the transverse plane, we're actually limiting ourselves in what we're about to go in and get into in our skill practice. Think about like striking. If we're about to throw a bunch of twos, if we're throwing a bunch of crosses and a bunch of hooks, all of that is spinal rotation. But if you only prepare straight up and down of our spine, well, guess what? Then we're not actually prepping our joints. We're not actually prepping our system for what's about to ensue and and the load that's about to be put on our spine in a sheer force. If we don't prepare our spine, and I'm not saying every time, but say it gets to the point where the straw that broke the camel's back, it gets to the point where, hey, it actually causes damage. That sheer force is actually what leads to disc herniations. That sheer force is actually what leads to discal issues and neurodynamics issues in nature, which causes those stingers that you feel down your leg, that sciatica, quote unquote, which is almost never sciatica. It's almost exclusively disc herniations and and neurodynamics issues, but not this podcast Um, or in the arms, any sort of neurodynamics issues. If you feel a stinger in your shoulder down to your pinky, guess what? You probably weren't prepping over a prolonged period of time well enough 
to make your tissues adapt to the rotation demands that you're applying or asking of those different joints. So that's the long answer to rotation, rotation, rotation of the shoulders, the spine, the hip, and then getting that heart rate up, whether that be in the form of riding an air bike for five minutes, whether that be in the form of doing all of these in a consistent manner. So we're combining our mobility with our heart rate elevation. So we're doing like total body movements for a 10 minute cycle, if you will. Um, or it, it could just be, Hey, you do a little bit of a flow roll after the mobility that you've targeted in that specific area, but combining our targeted stability mobility with our blood elevation is going to be the best way for us. Our blood temperature elevation is going to be the best way for us to progress into practice in the most efficient. Yeah. And I think that I really like what you said earlier about um, trying to prep them cognitively um, as well to enhance the, uh, the physical output of things. So Mm -hmm. before you start talking about rotation, you're talking about um, getting people aware within the session. And I just want to take a, a second to bring us out of our silos where Christine talks about nutrition. I talk about physical prep. You talk about skill development, like the mental and physical aspects of the workout, the warm up, the prep all go hand in hand together. You know, if I'm, if I'm, my stomach's not feeling well because of something I ate the night prior, and then I get to my warm up and I'm thinking, and I'm mentally just consumed with my stomach and how I'm feeling in my body. I'm not preparing my body well through the transverse plane. And then when I get to my performance, I'm still thinking about my stomach. I'm not able to divert attention to the skill I'm trying to develop and my body's physically not ready because I wasn't present during. Does that make sense? So everything's happening, you know, concurrently. So I think building some of these habits can eliminate those roadblocks that we find along the way and that limit us in any capacity that could create a domino effect to limit the whole chain, if that makes sense. No, it does. And, and one thing that I, so I've talked about, we talked about earlier that having a system and having a pattern and having consistent warm up is an extremely beneficial thing. But also I think going into skill practice, or if you're learning a new movement in the weight room, but mostly skill practice in general, I think that's where it's extremely important where while we should have like a set um, like a set progression of what you're going through. Like you said, like your Landau walking series, that, that consistent warm up. having something that gets somebody out of their comfort zone is going to get them into the condition of learning. We talked about it. I think three podcasts ago from this podcast where uh, learning is learning in a random setting always has a greater impact than learning in a very structured by the book focused and um, like step-by-step wise fashion setting. We know that randomized drilling is always going to be better as far as movement retention compared to step-by-step wise fashion in and a so skilled, in a skilled a individual. Hard absolute right there. I'll, I will say it because I've read the research studies, <laughs> but it went in, in skilled individuals, random setting studies always show that that is going to be better than step-by-step drilling. That's, that's something that's shown time and time again in motor, lo- motor learning and motor programming that's studies. It. And there's the concession that you had to make. It was the well, well-trained or well-skilled app. For sure. Well, and that's what we've talked about before though, right? Is in a newbie, you also need to, you got to be a cook before you become a chef. You got to have the cookbook first, right? In the athletes that typically this podcast tries to target and we're talking to, those are going to be more of our skilled individuals. Those are going to be at least moderate, if not skilled, if not elite, right? Yeah. Those are those are who we're talking to. In these individuals that we try to target, randomized drilling is what supersedes. So why wouldn't we also randomize our warm up in a little bit? And not not all, not fully, but in a little bit of the warm up, randomize the drilling. That's going to get them into the mindset of, hey, if we're having a randomized skill acquisition practice, why don't we have a randomized warm up that is going to prep our cognitive function for that task that you're about to ensue into? Oh, I like it. I totally agree, Christina. How do you randomize your nutrition prep? <laughs> <laughs> Pick a different flavor of Welch's fruit snacks. <laughs> yes, except for mixed berries. Except, yeah, we're, I guess we're all against, except for Alex. He's about, impartial to anything. What about berries and cream? How do you feel about that one? Yeah. Uh, okay, good. Your face says it all. I agree. 
Um, yeah, I, you know, when you guys were kind of reflecting on that, I was trying to see if there was potentially any strategies to randomize nutrition and perhaps it's not randomization, but more so variety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, bring it back to our lovely friend, the gut, the gut, if it is introduced to a variety of different foods, it will thrive. It will produce the probiotics and harvest that environment to be able to handle different stimulus, right? It's like, you, you can't just have a plan A and then call it a day for any of our specialties. You have to be flexible. And so same thing in your nutrition where perhaps fruit may be the best, let's say pre-workout fuel that, um, you know, athlete, this athlete needs, but maybe can they do a banana one week and then try strawberries, try grapes, try pears, you know, try all these different kinds of fruits to see if they can get different stimulus in, not only for the gut, but also for the variety of nutrients that different colors will represent. Um, but it's not so like a surprise, like we're going to do bananas today (laughs) instead of grapes. Like really the athlete is in control of that. Like you guys aren't necessarily feeding them. Um, so I think it's a little different in, in my world because for me, it relies, I rely a lot on my athletes independence and quite frankly, their maturity, right? Like for strength conditioning, they show up and and you guys are leading them, but Mm -hmm. I can't go home with them and prepare their meals and, and, um, you know, spoon feed them their food. So I mean, they have to pay me a lot. That sounds like top tier service right there. Do that. Uh. (laughs) but no i I like the variety aspect too from a mental break too right like Mm -hmm. i mean like i'm like probably the easiest going person about like eating consistent meals like i don't care if i eat grapes every day before breakfast grapes are fine grapes whatever but i mean after two or three months you're sick of grapes right you're not the first person to tell me that oh i could eat chicken broccoli and rice every single day it's like well can you can you really? Cause like <laughs> I see you over there at Taco Bell at like 3am being like, ah, oh, fuck this. Like, you know, so it's like, hey, let's hey. be honest with not you, Alex, but let's be honest with yourself about this, right? The human body just craves a variety of food for the majority of part. Um, you know, there are exceptions to the rule, but I have, um, particular college level athletes will be like, I'll have these five things and these five things only. Cause they really think that having like Tupperware, chicken, broccoli, rice, and an avocado is like really going to elevate their performance. And I'm like, well, what happens when you travel your games in Minnesota? What happens when you don't have access to the food that you normally have? It's like, uh, uh, well, and it's like, all right, well, you know what I mean? Like just kind of, yeah. So it may not be the best to get the same thing in every day for the rest of your life. Obviously nutrition is not just a screenshot. It is evolutionarily. Um, and again, like I said, an experiment. So we'll continue to make those progressions throughout an athlete's career. But I think for your guys's point, my version of randomization would be variety. Um, I also like what you guys had to say and that, um, you know, from hearing all of your insight, it, it really does seem like what you can do to prepare for any kind of practice or training. It's not like groundbreaking. It's not, it's not one rep maxes. It's not like, Oh, like this beautiful, amazing things. It's so small, little humbling habits and repetition and consistency that can really go the mile, right? So it's not the next biggest thing. It's not the newest trend. It's eating, right? It's, (laughs) it's doing your warmups. It's doing them consistently showing up with a great attitude, 6am ready to go. We love our strength (laughs) coaches. Thank you so much for your time and coming here earlier than us, (laughs) which I bet nobody says. No, no. So sad. Just one little tear. Uh, Um, but you know what I mean? Like all of these little tiny actions build up and it's not like you have to be a superstar to do them. Um, you probably would be if you did, but you know, it, it doesn't take someone big and mighty and fancy to do these things. Anyone can do them for sure. It's it's the consistency and it's the investment, the small little investments that build into something bigger. Right. So, um, I'm a huge proponent of that. Just consistency, no matter what you do, um, try and do it well, try and be consistent, you know, but see like, just like the consistent eating person, like it's, it seems easy. Everybody can say, yeah, I'll be consistent at working out. I'll be consistent at making sure I wake up and get to the workout on time, making sure I get the snack, but it's like, how consistent can you be? 
Like you can be consistent mm-hmm. for a week. Sure. That's awesome. Can you be consistent for a month? Can you be consistent for three months? Can you be consistent a whole year? Right. So um, that in itself is the champ. Well, that, and the other thing is don't be afraid to break the mold too. So many teams don't do the warmups that me and Alex talked about. They don't emphasize the nutrition aspects that Christina is talking about, right? Don't be afraid to take it into your own hands because at the end of the day, like you need to do what's best for you. If you need to go 10 minutes early to do the prep that we're talking about on your own, do it. If you need to like, Hey, if you're for whatever reason out of town and we haven't, we didn't talk about competition, right? We've mostly Mm -hmm. just talked about training, but if you're out of town in the nutrition and you were talking about like, Hey, what if you're in Minnesota and you, you can't. You don't have access to the stuff you have access to. Well, don't be afraid to break the mold and, and seek out these different things and talk to somebody like Christina. And what if, I, if I'm on the road, what can I do and, and prepare for those situations? Because a lot of the times, if you get stuck doing what everybody else did, you're going to be like everybody else. We're talking to the people that want to be special. That's what this podcast is for. And in order to be special, you got to take things into your own hands for the most part and show up 10 minutes early, prepare your meals, do X, Y, and Z that takes you to the next level. And in all of these different prep things, you don't necessarily need to do them to be good, but you necessarily need to do them to be great. And that's why we're talking about this is in order to go from good to great, you have to have everything we've talked about tonight dialed in. And that's what, that, that's going to be what the level changer. That's going to be the game changer. Very Crashed very- it neat bow tie you wrapped on this pocket. Yeah. No. And (laughs) um, if I could add one thing to that, you know, like we're hinting at as sports performance professionals, it's our job to help. Right. And so if you guys ever had that experience where someone comes up to you and is like, Hey, I have a question on this, or I need a little bit more help with that. It is like the best feeling in the world. You're like, Oh my gosh, they're excited. I'm excited. Yeah. I'll talk about food all day, baby. Like, you know what I mean? Versus someone who just says, okay, thank you. And then leaves. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I get a lot of, you know, um, feedback from athletes when I'm like, you know, you can ask me questions, right? Like it, it, it's not just me blabbing off to you. It's a collaborative process. And it's just, they don't know that. Right. Because what, when else has this ever happened? You know, when else is someone able to provide that extra, um, you know, helping hand and just something that may be really easy for us as, as practitioners is like completely new to someone else. Right. And so I would just say like for athletes to not be afraid to reach out to their providers because it's our job to help. And if you're not getting the help that you need, then we're not doing our jobs, right? But it's also up to the athlete to communicate that with their practitioner. Um, so whether that is a travel meal plan, whether that is, you know, hey, like how do I pack these things when I'm on the plane? Like what the hell can I pack um, food-wise that won't get me in trouble through TSA? You know, things like that. Like it, it's our job to help. And if an athlete, at least, you know, for myself speaking, if one of my athletes came up and was like, Hey, I'm going on this trip. Um, you know, I have this game. Um, can you help me with this? I'd be like, hell yes, let's go. Like, I'm so pumped to help you. Um, and so I just want to put that out there to just not be afraid to ask for help. Never thought about that. TSA will stop you with different foods. Um, different supplements as well, too, just because suspicious oh. white powders. So you're like, this is protein powder. I promise <laughs> you can smell it. Um, no, these are electrolytes. Yeah. Uh, it, usually when you tell them in advance, you're like, Hey, by the way, I have, you know, electrolytes in my bag. You can test it if you want to, like, just don't, you know, they're not drugs. Usually they're pretty okay with it, but sometimes I've forgotten. And I'm like, why the hell are they searching my bag? And I'm like, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) like a DSA (laughs) quick minor question. Is there any electrolytes that you recommend? Um, I, well, I love scratch labs, which is based out of Colorado. Alex, peace. I know that. East Love, well. Colorado. You do? No, I lied. Oh, I got so <laughs> excited. So disappointing. Oh. Maybe, I'll, maybe I'll get introduced to them now. Maybe I'll. I'll Dude, Scratch Labs is the shit. Um, I love it because it's a food product. So when you look at their label, it's not a supplement fact, it's actually a nutrition fact. So they use, you know, all food ingredients. Uh, and the taste is bomb. So it's, um, it, I describe it as like spa water instead of like juice. 
you know how when you drink Gatorade, it's like Gatorade, like lemon lime, glacier freeze. It kind of like hits you with that flavor. Blue Some athletes are, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Some athletes are kind of sensitive to that flavor. It's like too much and it, it turns them off. And I really like Scratch Labs because it's like a hint of lemon lime. And you're like, oof. It's the lacroix of electrolytes. <laughs> or oh my gosh. <laughs> hey, don't hate on it. They're amazing. Um, they're a food product. So yeah, I really like scratch labs. I agree. There's a lot of electrolytes out there that can be really confusing, but I would just say your traditional Gatorade. I mean, Gatorade's poured years of research into formulating this one product um, and tested it on all kinds of athletes. So they have been amazing um, really for electrolytes. We're making sure that it has sodium in it. Um, so potassium and magnesium are not your main electrolytes. Um, so unfortunately things like coconut water are not going to be the most hydrating actually. Fun facts. 20 servings I... for $20 oh. is fresh loves. It's not bad. Oh, nice. That's are you looking them up right now? Absolutely. Oh my God. Gosh, fun fact, I my high school influencer? gym teacher was in one of the first Gatorade tests ever. Really? Yeah, he ran cross country at University of Florida when they were testing Gatorade. Oh, yeah. interesting. I know, super cool. That was one of my favorite things of high school is when I learned job, that fact. Awesome. Made me smile. Your favorite thing of high school? Yeah, that's that's a little yep. I didn't have a lot of good times. Oh, do you want to talk about it? No, that's that's no. a different podcast. That's a different podcast. That's Flash called off therapy. Air. Yeah, off air. Mm. Well, all right. Anybody else have anything on how to prepare for practices? I think we hit it all on the spot. We beat it like a dead horse. Yes. We have well, some well-fueled athletes, well-prepared athletes now. And I hope so. But please, as ever, or as always, please like, share, subscribe, do all the cool stuff that allows us to become friends with your friends. Um, please hit us up at all of the information in the show notes. We have both mine and Alex's Instagram handles and emails. Christina's information will also be in there as well. If you had to get a hold of her, um, what's the best way to contact you, Christina? Um, uh, just send a check. Uh, you can mail it directly <laughs> to my house. Nice. Gotcha. <laughs> just kidding. Not really, but um, the best way to reach out would probably be through Instagram at Christina Y Chu. Um, and that would be the best form of communication. Awesome. And then uh, building a fighter, we do have our website fully functional. So we have different online programs in there, whether it be for individuals, teams, uh, preset and or custom. And then we also have a low back program. So if you've had any sort of low back injuries or uh, we'll say ailments, in the past and you want to strengthen that low back, we have a full month long program with video tutorial on how to strengthen your low back in order to benefit in combat sports. So that's all at buildingafighter.com. And lastly, as always, this is Building a Fighter, Dr. Awesome Shane, Alex Friedman, and Sita. And we are out.